Hey everybody and welcome to the Hack My Homestead podcast. This is Sean Mills and today is Monday, October 9th, 2023. Today we're going to talk about what is unfolding in Israel and the Gaza Strip and what we can learn from it. So obviously our primary subject matter is how to make your homestead better and how to attack uh, ideas that are rooted in off-grid living and apply them to your situation, whether you're off-grid or not. But at the same time, it's important to keep you know up to speed on what's going on in the world, uh, how we here in the U.S. at least are, are reacting to it. And if you're not in the U.S. listening to this, how your company country is reacting to it and what we can learn from it. Because it's obviously a tragedy what's going on, what happened Saturday, as well as the response. So, you know, I'm not here to give a lot of political commentary on the whys or what the next steps are for the different governments or militaries, etc. But I think taking a standpoint of... You know, if I want to be self-sufficient and I want to be self-reliant, how can I take situations like this and adjust my viewpoint a little bit so that I might actually be able to learn something from it? So here's what we know. We know that on Saturday, multiple groups of Palestinian terrorists crossed into Israel and attacked predominantly civilians through an organized and I would say relatively sophisticated multi-pronged attack. And I say sophisticated because you had folks coming through air, you had folks coming across the ground, you had power boats, you had tunnels, and you had an attack into Israel, which has a pretty sophisticated intelligence arm. Now, I understand that in Israel, the government is a little fractured right now between the coalition and, and the opposition. And so there's always the opportunity when you have a fractured government that you miss things that you otherwise would, wouldn't have missed. And so, you know, for Americans, if we think about 9-11, uh, you could potentially trace some of the issues with not identifying that 9-11 was about to happen with how poorly the turnover between Clinton and Bush went in, you know, 2000, 2001. And so I'm not saying that was the problem and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that it's a corollary to this attack, which caught Israel by surprise, even though they have a relatively sophisticated intelligence apparatus as a country. And of course, the United States having the most sophisticated and wide-ranging intelligence apparatus uh, in existence for us to be surprised by 9-11 is kind of along the same, um, the same idea of, wow, how did we miss this? How did we not know this was coming? So... So there's that, but but that's not really what I want to focus on. So you've got the attack that happened. It killed hundreds, as of now, of Israelis, multiple thousands injured, uh, potentially multiple hundreds taken hostage, and treated pretty poorly. There's some 
there's some pretty graphic and gnarly video online of a bunch of things that cannot be described in any, any other way than war crimes. And, and then over the last two days, you've had the response from Israel. So the initial response is we have to beat them back across the border. Uh, then we start targeting what we believe to be command facilities within the Gaza Strip. And then I heard today that they're essentially placing Gaza on a full-on siege. So no anything, no food, no energy, no fuel, nothing is going to be crossing the border. Now, you do have the Egyptian crossing on, the, on southern Gaza. And so we'll see what happens with that if the Egyptians do the same thing in terms of, you know, not, not allowing things to cross the border. And so... That's yet to be seen. But in any case, you've got essentially what right now is a full-on war between Israel and the Palestinian state in Gaza. And then at the same time, Israel is looking over at Lebanon with Hezbollah and looking at uh, the West Bank and looking at Syria and so on and saying, okay, we have to keep an eye out over here because if we focus all of our vision on Gaza, then we could potentially be blindsided from one of the other Arab states that claims to not want us to exist. And so it's kind of a crazy, crazy situation. And I won't get into the the politics on whether Israel should exist and whether Jerusalem should be in Arab hands or Jewish hands or any of that. Like, I'm not talking about that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not aware enough of all of the nuances of the situation to actually have a well-formed opinion on any of that. But I know that when terrorists cross over into your country and target civilians and murder hundreds of them and take others hostages um, then all, pretty much all the rest of it doesn't really matter at that point at that point we're at war right and so if you think about think about Mexico jumping over to uh, Albuquerque and killing a bunch of civilians at a outdoor music festival and taking more hostages and then when when they are accosted by the local police force or the border patrol they just kill all of them right imagine that imagine they they brought they tunneled then they blew up the gate or the fence and they used hang gliders to come into Arizona they traveled into Albuquerque, attacked a music festival, killed 200 plus people at the music festival, and then took a bunch of people hostages on top of all the hundreds or thousands that they injured. Oh, and by the way, at the same time, they were also attacking San Diego and Las Vegas and Scottsdale and on, you know, and so on, right? And so imagine that this is happening what our response would be, right? I mean, it would be 
<laughs> it would be Swift and well, you know what? I guess I don't really know if it would. We, we it's been so long since we've been attacked on our own soil. It's hard to really think about how we would react to it. I would like to think that anyone comes into our territory and does this type of thing, it would be no holds barred, go crazy, and send a message, right? Like that's what would happen if my property were invaded, right? I would want to be, I would want to send a message so that anyone else that was thinking about doing that would think twice and, and look for a much, much softer target to, to go do that nonsense against. And so, you know, ignoring the nuance of why the attack happened or, or why folks were potentially uh, radicalized into thinking that this is a good idea, you know, we're just going to ignore all that. We're just going to take the facts as they are, which is folks came into a sovereign country and targeted civilians and took people hostages and are dragging them through the streets and beating their dead bodies and torturing them and all those kind of things, right? So what can we learn from this? Well, we can learn that if we are, if we live in an area where there is some sort of border tension situation happening, and we're going to a large gathering, which is going to be, by its very definition, a soft target with lots of easy potential casualties, then we have a choice to make. Either don't go and don't don't put ourselves into that type of situation, or go with the understanding that, okay, there needs to be a plan if something happens. Now, look, I think the reality in this situation is, is that even if there was a plan, the plan wouldn't have worked, right? This was an overwhelming force. There wasn't enough security there to, to beat it back or to even slow it down. And I think most of the people that were injured or killed were injured or killed while running away, which is what you're supposed to do if that type of thing happens. And so I can't really say that, that that thought process would have adjusted what happened <clears throat> at that specific place. But again, you know, and, and I, this, this is going to sound a little crass and I hope it doesn't, I hope everyone hears what I'm trying to say rather than uh, focusing on the clunky way I'm going to say it. But you've heard people say, don't do don't go to stupid places and do stupid things with stupid people right or um you know what's the other one play stupid game or play dumb games win dumb prizes or whatever right and so i'm not blaming any of the people that were at this festival all i'm saying is that i think that they were lulled into a sense of security because it's been so long since there was an attack on the israel side you know, there's been stuff that's popped up on the Palestinian side, both in the West Bank and in the Gaza Strip, but there hasn't really been any terrorist fighting in Israel for a, for a while. And so when you're thinking about going to a music festival on the border, you're not thinking about the fact that, 
Oh, by the way, there's a whole bunch of people on the other side of that imaginary line that we all agree is there even though we can't see it that hate us, that want us to die, that believe that their God has told them that their duty is to kill us. And they have convinced themselves of whatever slights necessary to think that it's a good idea to kill women and children, right? And I think that when stuff like that doesn't happen for a long time, you get lulled into that sense of false security, into that thought where it doesn't even enter your consciousness. And so I think a heightened level of self-awareness is important. And I think that if we end up in a situation in the United States where we have a a sort of fractured, um, you know, territory type situation, whether that be a rural urban fringe, whether that be, you know, Chicago versus everything else or, or whatever it might be in the future, it, it makes a lot of sense to be vigilant about where we're going to be and sometimes make the decision to just not be there. So I can't say that if I was in a similar position, I wouldn't have gone to the music festival. I love music festivals. But, you know, just from the outside looking in, and of course hindsight being twenty twenty, it's like why would you put a soft target but with that many unarmed, untrained civilians with with no real chance of beating back any sort of incursion that close to the border. And we probably will never know the answer to that. You know, um, it's possible that there were conversations about it. It's possible that there were no conversations about it. It's possible that they just said, you know, there's no way that these guys are going to attack a, a, a music festival. You know, if there's going to be any sort of violence, it's going to be focused on where the cops are and, or not the cops, but where the, um, where the security forces are, right? That's the people that they're going to try to attack. So who knows? Obviously we were caught off guard on nine 11 here in the States. And, you know, afterwards it was like, well, no one knew that they would fly a plane into a building. It's like, well, actually some people knew that because there was conversations about that exact thing. But when you're evaluating all of these different ideas and thought processes and trying to figure out which threats are credible and which aren't, the idea that you pick someone, you know, you pick one like that and, and say, okay, well, how do we, how do we protect against that? I don't know. So, you know, I'm aware of the fact that sometimes when you're having a conversation like this, this close after uh, an event like this, it sounds like victim shaming, right? It sounds like, well, you know, if they just had gone there, then everything would be fine. And I'm not saying that. I am saying that I wonder if any of the folks there really realized the fact that that was kind of a dangerous place to be given the circumstances. And, you know, then you look at some of the other areas. I mean, some of the other areas, it was literally people, uh, you know, they were going door to door. And so if you're in a neighborhood, number one, if you're in a neighborhood, you're much more likely to have to deal with something like this than if you're in the country. Right. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, well, it's pretty simple. Soft targets. Why would you travel further away 
from your point of origin to go out to somewhere where some guy probably has 10 guns in his house and if you don't get him before he gets you he's got plenty of property to bury you in or pigs to feed you to and no one will ever know right versus let's go to the city where people have been brainwashed into this this false sense of oh well if there's a problem I'll call the police well then what are you going to do in the hour in between calling the police and the actual police showing up you know police show up after crimes happen they don't show up and prevent crimes from happening and so that's kind of like the next thing is you know you need to be aware of the fact that the police are not going to get there before a crime happens and they are not required to respond regardless of what the situation is right the shooting in Uvalde showed us that Uvalde Texas where the guy went in and, and attacked the school and you had the police just outside afraid to go in, right? And it's one of those situations where on one hand, yeah, why would you expect one human to put their life on the line and go into an unknown circumstance to save the life of another human that they don't know, right? It's real easy to talk about what we would do for our kids or our family members or even our good friends, but I just showed up at this school. I don't know anyone here. I don't, my kids don't go here. Um, I'm supposed to run in, I'm supposed to run towards the gunfire. And, and of course, you know, generally we think, well, yeah, when you're, when you're a cop, and you've got the training and you've got the equipment and you're the ones that people call when this is happening. Yes, we expect you to get in there and take care of the situation, right? I mean, that's what happened in Nashville. When the Nashville school shooter cops showed up, went straight towards the gunfire until they found the person with the gun and then they ended the, the situation, right? And I just think that we see that or we hear about that or we see it in the movies and we just think that that's the way it is. And the reality is, is that a significant majority of the time, that's not the way it is. When someone shows up at your house with bad intentions, you better be ready to take care of your own business. And then you call the cops to come take the report and press charges even if you're pressing charges on a body and make sure that all the facts are down on a police report right that's the way that's what you do with police not call them while you're hiding in your closet hoping that they show up before the guy kicks your closet door in and we we've heard or I've seen stories about these uh Hezbollah going door to door and actually is it Hezbollah or Hamas? I can't remember. Maybe Hamas. Yeah. Hamas is Palestinian and Hezbollah is Lebanese. So Hamas going door to door, pulling people out or killing them in their houses. So, you know, the next, the next kind of lesson learned is, or not lesson learned. I know I hate the sound of that. The next thing that we 
as people that aren't in that situation right now can take from it to potentially help ourselves is, there we go, I like that prefix better, is know that it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves. It doesn't matter how many taxes you pay. The cops are not going to get there before the crime is committed in most circumstances. You know, you're not going to call the cops and say, hey, someone might show up today. So can you guys come hang out just in case? That way, if someone shows up that's not supposed to be here, y'all can handle that business. No, no, no. It's our responsibility. And we should treat our surroundings as such. You know, I live out in the country and... I have a long driveway that's gravel. Well, it's technically chert, but that's basically gravel. And I can hear a car coming from a ways away. I can hear someone walking down the driveway. And I've got, you know, one side of the property is fenced from my neighbor that has goats. The other side of the property, you can't get to any part of that property without going past my neighbor's house and he's you know he's a guy that's not going to let someone just go by his house but then behind us we've got this big 500 plus acre property that's managed for deer and when folks are not there deer hunting who knows what's going on out there you could have a crackhead camp right in the middle of it who knows and so it's actually something i've thought about quite a bit is you know how do i secure that backside of my property to make it harder for someone to go into the property that's not supposed to be there or at a very minimum let me know when someone is going by there right so we've put we've put security cameras up and we've put up security cameras that have built-in motion detection floodlights so if there's you know nighttime activity in those areas then there you go we get you know, we get the light on and we start recording and I can check those cameras from my phone or from my uh, Echo Show. And then the other thing is, is that when I'm on my property and I'm not really super militant about this, but most of the time when I'm on my property, if I don't have a gun on me, I'm really close to one. And I should probably change that scenario to having a gun on me way more often because the reality is is that when you are out in the middle of nowhere in a rural area if you do get an uninvited guest on your property that's got bad intentions in the in rural areas there's a bigger chance that that person is going to be strung out on something and you know you could potentially stop that with non-lethal force that's where you would want to start But you have to be ready to potentially escalate that if the situation called for it. And so, again, you know, when you when you read about terrorists going door to door and pulling people out of their houses and taking them hostage back across the border and or murdering them in their house. Or we heard about, you know, I guess a lot of folks in in some of these areas have safe rooms and we heard about uh you know, houses just getting lit on fire. And I don't know, I haven't been able to validate that, but you know, if your if your job is to go in and either murder or take hostage and someone's locked themselves in a safe room, 
it would not surprise me one little bit if, if, if you told me that that person then resorted to burning the house down around them. And so, again, that's another one to think about is, okay, we need to be, we need to be, we need to have our situation kind of planned out and know what we're doing. And again, the stuff I'm talking about here would not have prevented what happened and it may not have had an impact on any individual event that happened or any life that was lost or any person that was taken hostage. But that doesn't mean that we can't learn from it and potentially strengthen our position. You know, hey, in, in Tennessee, I don't live anywhere near a contested border, right? I don't have any folks a mile away from me that feel like I need to die because of where I live, right? That I need to die because of my government. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people in the world that don't believe that, but they don't live within a mile of my property, at least not as far as I know, right? But again, it's there, it's a different situation, but that doesn't mean that there aren't uh, things that we can take to our own properties and to our own situations. And if you live in an urban area, you should think about, okay, well, how is there, you know, I probably don't have a safe room, right? But is there an area that's kind of hardened or that I could easily harden to retreat to, to be the place where it's like, okay, you're not getting through that door, but if you do, we're ready. And sometimes that could mean something like, just reinforcing a door jam and putting a solid core door with some good strong locks on it on one bedroom, on the bedroom that we're going to retreat to. And then that leads me to kind of my last point or the last thing that I thought about with this situation or what it made me think about, which is, and I think that I'm pretty good on the first couple of things I've talked about personally. I'm really, really bad at this last one. And the last one is everyone in the household needs to be up to speed on the plan, should probably drill the plan, and should probably all have their own roles to play within a plan, okay? So I can tell you right now that if there was a home intruder on our property, my wife and children would look to me to protect them. And that's perfectly fine. That's my role. That's my job. And I gladly accept that job. But if I'm either A, not there, or B, incapacitated because of the person that's come in, maybe they come in and take me out first. Maybe I'm sitting on the front porch and I get taken out before they get to the front door. Is is that likely to happen? Absolutely not. Again, with where I am, I don't think that's a problem. I don't think it's a really big consideration. But it's not hard for me to have a plan and to practice it every once in a while and to involve my wife and kids in that. And so, you know, that's probably something over the the rest of this month that I'm going to look at long and hard is making sure that my wife and kids are involved in the potential security, you know, response that would happen on our property. If someone kicks in the front door, what happens? 
if someone's coming down the driveway shooting guns, what happens? If someone's walking through the woods with a flashlight or without a flashlight and then refuses to leave the property, what happens? How do we how do we speak to those people when they're on the property? If I'm out of town and someone comes walking up through the woods behind the house in particular, um, you know, my wife is going to be concerned. And now I will say that, that I can, I can tell you that there was a time when someone drove up to the house at like two or three in the morning and my wife got the shotgun down, loaded a round or two in it, went outside and just shot around up into the air. And that car turned around and drove away because they realized that they were not where they thought they were or whatever they thought they were going to be doing. They picked the wrong spot to do it. So, you know, those are the kind of things that the whole family should be involved in. When the kids were younger, you don't really involve them in, okay, here's how we're going to secure the house, you know, but they're 16 and 18 now. And I think it's really time to, to bring them officially into that and make sure that there's some, some practice um, so that everyone knows what they're supposed to do in those kind of events. And they don't just either, you know, melt into a puddle on the floor or freeze up and not know what to do. Now, that's not to say that they might not melt into a puddle or freeze up in, if they were placed into that situation. But it, they're way less likely to do that if they've already thought through what kind of problems could arise and how we respond to them. So I think I'll wrap it up there. Uh, I think it's a tragedy what's going on over in Israel. And I think that I think Israel should make an example. I think that Israel should rain fire and brimstone, root out the causes of this, the planners of this, you know, let's not turn this into an Afghanistan 9-11 thing where we spend 20 years fighting in a war halfway across the world. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this is on their on their doorstep. And oh, by the way, this is land that Jerusalem controlled that they gave to the Palestinians and then pulled back, right? So the Gaza Strip, is an unoccupied territory, whereas the West Bank is occupied. So the West Bank has been given to the Palestinians by the um, by the by the uh, Israelites, and I think that's right. Israelites. I'm having a hard time there. The people of Israel, the Israeli government. There we go. And it's occupied because they're like you know. We're going to make sure that if something happens, we know about it before it starts happening. Whereas Gaza was given to the Palestinians, was overtaken. You know, basically the government was overthrown and these terrorists took over. And since then, Egypt and Israel have kind of had a blockade. So, you know, the locals there are suffering because of what their government is doing. But at the end of the day, 
this is an area that you know Israel would have been well within their rights to either a say no sorry there is no such thing as a Palestinian state you're not giving not, you're not getting your land um, we don't care what you want or they could have said well we'll give you the land but you know we're going to maintain a military presence we're going to we're going to occupy this area so that we know what's going on and we can keep an eye on y'all because we don't trust you you know neither one of those things was the case here and i think that it'll be interesting to see what happens after this right because i believe that israel will probably occupy the entire strip and maybe they'll stay we'll see it'll be interesting to see what happens but you know, at this point, I hope that whatever happens, the, the, the civilian loss of life is minimalized and that as many of the hostages taken as possible are rescued and brought back home. But that's kind of a story for a different day. So with that, I know we got a little bit deep into the weeds. I will uh, go ahead and wrap it up there. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmyhomestead.com. And we'll talk to you next time.